The stories we tell ourselves as people, as teams, as organizations, you know, they often get in the way of the changes we want to make in the world. We actually need to propel our stories forward, not hold us back. This is Unstop the Story, where we're looking at how amazing people and companies are being resilient, flexible, brave, and daring in the face of an ever-changing landscape. And we'll talk about how you can do it too. Well, hello, and welcome to Unstop the Story with Unstoppable Tracy. This week, we've got a hot topic. We're talking about those oh-my-goodness moments. You know, the moments with anxiety and where we're losing hope and There's just anxiety and stress and this overall overwhelming feeling like you're falling out of your boat or skiing head on into the tree. And that's because of bankruptcy or job loss or tough conversations. So many things going on in our lives, at work, at home. You know, falling out of the boat while sailing, for me, you know, when I started and failing sailing from falling out of that boat taught me to persevere and to exceed the uncertainty with an unwavering belief that I am capable. Skiing taught me not to avoid failure and embrace the possibility in those moments where I'm saying, oh my goodness. You know, it's no coincidence. The expression of, oh me Jesus, OMJ, is the name of a run in Corner Brook, Newfoundland that I skied. This was a double black diamond, very steep run that I wiped out on 12 times during my first time. And it was a Monday. Well, I skied the rest of the runs the rest of the week. And I loved Corner Brook and I loved the people in it. On the last day, I said to my instructor, I want to go back and I want to retry OMJ just one more time. And we were flying out that day and it may have been the only run that we would get in. So I had a realistic goal. I had set, I'd said, okay, I just want to wipe out 11 times instead of 12. Well, that day we skied about 20 different runs all over Marble Mountain. And so when it was time to go, I was so mad at my instructor at the end of the day. You know, what works for me is believing you are capable. And what doesn't work for me is avoiding failure or situations where you don't know how. So I said to Ian, he said, what's wrong? And I said, you promised me we would ski OMJ. And he said, Tracy. And I put up my hand like the young teenager that I was and I cut him off. I said, nope, you promised. And he interjected again and he said, Tracy, you did. I had done OMJ and I didn't even recognize it. The run I'd done on Monday. If you find yourself in those moments in life where you are saying to yourself, oh my goodness, realize that the beginning struggles, they are just the beginning. And we may fall in the water or we may wipe out. 
But that doesn't mean we always will. You know, my upcoming guest, Kevin Frankish, he says, have hope and enthusiastically accept the challenge. You know, being a catalyst for confidently embracing the current moment started that day in kindergarten. And Kevin always refers to my kindergarten story, my upcoming guest, where I helped everybody tie their shoelaces as a four-way amputee. Well, time in the classroom unintentionally kind of facilitated being allowed to stay in the regular school. And, you know, that first day where they told me no, and I ended up tying everybody's shoelaces, being allowed to stay went from shoelace leader to captaining tall ships and receiving a bronze medal in skiing and teaching in Uganda. And time led to corporate jobs that I've loved, volunteering, humanitarian around the world, skiing, sailing, scuba diving, diplomas, and then one day a master's degree, and last year Hall of Famer, and now last week I was just told that I was the International Association of Top Performers, this year 2021's Top Inspired Leader. You know, in chapter seven of my book, Unstoppable You, the chapter's titled, No Respect, Give Him the Finger. And I know that's uncharacteristic of me, but let me give you some context. You know, I talk about when I was learning to drive. And when I first learned to drive, you know, I was so polite. I'm always so polite. But I would wave vigorously, thank you to anybody who lets me in. Well, unfortunately, I was signaling thank you with my one and only finger, and this looked like I was giving them the finger. (laughs) So living every day for me is an exercise in incentivizing, a hard word to say, I feel like I'm tipsy, you know, but I want to give people an incentive for innovation, right? And a classic example of this was, you know, when I covered a grade one lesson. A grade one teacher, my first career, Bachelor of Education, and it was involving pumpkin cutouts. And when I was teaching a new skill to enthusiastic beginner, whatever their age, it's good to role model it first. And so with the first graders, you need to be quick or you're going to lose their attention. And so I needed to ensure they understood before putting scissors in their hands. They are only six and seven. So given I have one finger on my right side and a stump, like my left arm ends above elbow, So to quickly demonstrate, I asked a volunteer to hold the paper for me. And while I arranged the scissors, I put my finger in one loop of the scissor and I put my left stump in the corner of the other loop of the scissors. And so I proceeded to show the students how to cut out the pumpkin. Well, it was intended as an independent activity to save the chaos of parrying everybody up because that takes forever and I wanted it to be a quick activity. However, when I told them to begin, they all quickly partnered up. I'd underestimated them, and they all copied me exactly. One of the students held the paper while the other one cut out the pumpkin, right? They can hold paper and cut. They don't need two people, but one held the paper and one held the scissors. And the one holding the scissors, they did so the same way I did with their right hand on one finger loop and their left hand in the other finger loop. And then what happened next was even funnier. 
They all then put the pumpkins under their arm, like I did. You know, because I'm missing my left arm, I hold the pumpkin under my left arm because there's no hand to hold it with. Well, they all carried it under their arm and they walked to the table and they have hands. They could have held it in their hand, but not one single student carried it in their hand. So this was a testament to overcoming any feelings of, you know, well, this is how we've always done it, or this is how we're supposed to do it. So take an everyday task and disrupt the norm. And we ended up exceeding expectations with that activity. And the objective was dexterity and cutting and learning numbers one to 30. And the objective was achieved. But on top of that, so was teamwork, efficiency, and a whole lot of fun. As managers and parents and supervising volunteers and directing others, you know, we are communicating sort of the what and the why. And that's our role, you know, leave the how up to the people executing the action, your students, your teenagers, your staff, the people you're delegating to, they will figure out as long as they're aware of the results that you're looking for. So have confidence in what you're doing. It doesn't matter if it's not the same as everybody else. In fact, not being the same as everybody else has big advantages. So being born with a disability gives me a leg up. Bad joke without legs, but it gives me a leg up. And it provides me the ongoing bonus of continual life lessons, you know, to work really hard and face that end goal and demonstrate an unwavering, confident mindset belief of, yes, I can. You know, and let go of what's supposed to be and what's normal and what's the right way and what's the only way. We're all faced with those oh my goodness moments. You know, how have you overcome those difficult obstacles or generated those conversations that were tough, right? It does not matter if you don't know how. You go for it and then you'll figure out how along the way. Jump in. You know, so I'm asking you, In this podcast, what's a situation or a conversation right now that has you saying, oh my goodness, and describe how you could enhance your effectiveness. So describe how you or your team could do it better or your group or who you're delegating it to or your teens or the people in your lives. So here's how. Ask yourself these three questions. What do I keep on doing? What do I stop doing? What do I start doing? What do I keep on doing, stop doing, and start doing? And so I've invited our next guest to support us in those oh my goodness moments. And, you know, the biggest oh my goodness going on in your personal life, in your team's life, in your family's life, in your community's life, in your coworkers' lives in the people you're delegating to, like the biggest thing that's going on right now is depression and anxiety in the entire world. So my upcoming guest, Kevin Frankish, he is the host and blogger and Facebooker on Sunday evenings and the host of the podcast, The Happy Molecule. The Happy Molecule on Tuesdays, Every morning, he hosts a new episode of The Happy Molecule. And Kevin is an advocate 
of mental wellness, depression, anxiety. And, you know, these might be tough, depressing subjects, but Kevin, he frames it from this pillar of positivity. And he is more than the podcast host of The Happy Molecule. And I'm so grateful that he is because he is my happy molecule. But most of you know him as the super famous, fabulous, warm, approachable, authentic straight shooter from Breakfast Television. And I say straight shooter, straight shooter when it comes to mental wellness. You know, there is this anxiety out there. And so he's going to talk to us straight, but in his warmest, typical, funny, storytelling way about look at the opposite of anxiety, to turn it around, and how to look at the cues out there. Is it a perceived danger or is it an authentic danger? What are those cues? And he's going to look at all of these pieces of real reality of anxiety. And so coming up next is Kevin Frankish. You know him as the breakfast television host, for over 35 years. Now he's the podcast host and more of the Happy Molecule. Tune in right after this message. Tracy will be back in just a moment to share part of her conversation with Kevin Frankish about navigating those oh my goodness moments. My name is Megan Doherty, and I've had the pleasure of working with Unstoppable Tracy to co-create Unstop the Story, which you're listening to now. One Stone Creative is a podcast and online course creation agency, and we love to help plan, build, and distribute podcasts that tell important stories while working towards key business objectives. We especially love working with authors like Unstoppable Tracy and have a special book-to-podcast program designed to help nonfiction authors transform their books into valuable multimedia podcasts. If you have a book or a story and you want to bring it to the world in a new format, find us at onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net. Now, here are Tracy and Kevin. Welcome, folks. Today, I share with you one of my top 10 mentors who I have laughed the most with on air. Many of you know him, grew up with him, watched him propose, have children, juggle life's challenges, and we were all together while he was one of the main hosts of Breakfast Television in Toronto, known for Kevin Frankish Media. He's a content creator, a speaker, a journalist, a mental health advocate. And there are a ton of international listeners outside of Ontario. So just so you know, Kevin Frankish helped City TV Toronto's Breakfast Television become the number one morning show. And uh, Kevin is famous for his suspenders and his quick wit. And he always left every show with a wink. And Kevin, you have such a loyal following, like everywhere. I saw it again when we recently did the... Facebook Live series with the Kevin's Isolators, which you so kindly invited me to. Yeah, always a wonderful guest. You've been a guest of mine several times. You're a great guest. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I guess I am, yeah, very fortunate, very lucky. And the people who, if you want to call it follow me or whatever, just they become family. They really become family. I get to know them. They get to know me. And that's what family does. Yes. I think you have 
like the perfect name because you're like Kevin. So it's a little slice of heaven with Kevin because <laughs> you're so approachable. <laughs> and then you have those. You should be my agent. Right? I'd be happy to. <laughs> we'll go to the moon together. Forget the moon. We'll yes. go to Mars. <laughs> That's right. We're like out of this world. You know, the other thing that I think creates your loyal following is that you are Frank in the Frankish. You are yeah. having those courageous conversations. You're transparent. But like the ish in Frankish is because you're so warm and so approachable. I mean, those are tough conversations, but you make it so digestible, so manageable that everybody's able to do it. So that's why I call you Frank-ish, and that's your last name. You're Frankish. <laughs> <laughs> but Tracy, isn't it sad, though, that we have to feel as though when we have a conversation about mental health, that it is something that you have to be heroic to talk about, Ooh. that you have to, it, it's tough conversation. It's our health. It is our health. Yeah. It's no different than having cancer or I'm not equating the two as far as severity. I'm just, I'm just saying it's no different. It is an issue. So if someone says, don't mention Tracy doesn't have any ham. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Like, yeah, but you can see that. However, yeah. don't mention Tracy has some mental health issues. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh yes. Shh. And it's a big taboo topic. Sadly. And then it's all over the news, right? Like, how do you hide that? And one of the biggest fixes for mental health issues is simply talking about it, which is so ironic. Yeah. Something we don't want to talk about. It's ironic that by not talking about it, we're making it worse. Yes. I like to call that the stinky moose. <laughs> because it's like the elephant in the room. Okay. The stinky doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. But the, the elephant. How Canadian of you. Right. Yes, exactly. So I just turned the elephant into a moose, but like you throw a tablecloth yeah. over it, you still know the stinky moose is in the room, right? Even if you can't see it and it's in the room, you got to take it out, air it out so we can get it out. It's so true. And oh my gosh, you're an advocate. You didn't want to discount cancer. And I know you were a massive advocate for cancer and you've won the Queen's Jubilee Award because you're extraordinary. I work with a lot of different groups, such as cancer groups, uh, Easter Seals. I work with a hospice as well. Uh, so St. John's Ambulance. Anything with people. Anything with people. Yeah, you are. And what's really fun was, you know, you just mentioned Easter Seals. It makes me think of, I think it was, I don't think it really was, but it's sort of like the inaugural re- acquaintance with you was jumping off that 25-story building that Easter Seals yeah. was fundraising for. You jumped off a building. I just announced you jumped off the building. I didn't have to jump off the building. I didn't jump off the building. Oh, I totally thought you jumped too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Oh, and yeah, you and I were being all playful about the shoelaces. If you yes. remember. Yes, yes, because when you really emphasize what you can do rather than what you can't do. And I'm speaking from the unstoppable Tracy Bible right now. <laughs> you know, if you, you're going to emphasize what you can't do, there's a lot of things I can't do. You know, I can't see through walls. But what? if I emphasize what I can do, when someone sees Tracy and they're thinking, oh, you know, and Tracy has this wonderful story, if you haven't had a chance to see it uh, from her website mm -hmm. about her going to kindergarten and how 
tying her shoes factors in. I'm not going to ruin it. I want you to go and I want you to listen to that. But you look at Tracy and thinking, how can you tie your shoes? It's tough enough. When you're a kid, remember learning how to tie shoes. Just having two hands, it's hard enough. Yeah. It takes you weeks to master it. Now we do it without even thinking. But then you say, okay, I have no fingers and I have no hands. And you say, oh, okay, I will excuse you. You don't have to tie a shoe. Yeah. So, well, that's what Tracy can. And what you can do rather than what you can't do is what amazes me about you. Well, you were so thoughtful and we were so playful that day where I was tying your shoelace to be cheeky just before jumping off the building. Yeah. And then revisiting your show, Kevin's Isolators, yeah. your massive heart. You like, okay, in this pandemic, how am I going to impact as many as possible? And like every day, you didn't even skip weekends. Every day you were broadcasting Kevin's Isolators. Yeah. Oh, so much positivity. Yeah. And it was, we're all put on this world for, on this planet for some reason, right? Yeah. And we need to share our gifts with others and we need to be able to do something. I have no talent for anything. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't, you know, whatever. The one thing I do have a talent for is just talking on and on and on. (laughs) If I can use that to help someone feel better, then so be it. And I hope we can help people feel better. Yes. And so can you think of a time where, you know, you felt stopped, you felt like you couldn't keep on going and then you had a breakthrough and you figured out, okay, this is what I'm going to keep doing. You know, this is what I'm going to stop doing. And this is what I'm going to, you know, start doing or something that caused you to just revisit that wall and bust it up. Yep. I hit a huge wall a few weeks ago. Wow. It was a 12 feet of concrete wall. So I have been on a sabbatical for a while, but I need to get back into business. I need to do something to earn a living. Yep. It's not a good time to be looking for a job. And so I was putting all my efforts into, you know, looking for broadcasting jobs, but there was nothing there that appealed to me or it was what I needed. Yeah. But I realized I really do want to help people who have any sort of mental health issues. And I thought, well, maybe I do a podcast. And my experience with Kevin's Isolators showed me that it can be successful. But am I going to be able to pay the bills with that? Because I have to make some money on this. Kevin's yep. Podcasters was done for free. But am I going to be able to get sponsors? This is tough. I still have bills to pay. And I started to get worried. I just started. And you know what? You have to work really hard to make money off a podcast. You just do. You can do a podcast. It's great. It's easy. But is it going to be something that's going to sustain me? And I got scared. Really yeah. scared. I had major panic attacks a few weeks ago. Major. And then finally, it just sort of hit me. Do you want to do it? Yeah. Do you think it'll help people? Yeah. And do it. Yeah. How many people would have in the past, whether it was Alexander Graham Bell or Thomas Edison, if they would have said, listen, this, this is really, really tough. I guess, you know, I, I just can't do it. Let me share a little story with you about the light bulb. Yeah. Speaking of Thomas Edison, the light bulb, you may not know this, the actual functioning light bulb in which the carbon filament problem had been solved, which is what Thomas Edison was trying to solve, was how this thing could, you know, burn without burning out. Yep. It was actually solved and created and demonstrated in Toronto. Oh. Five years before Thomas Edison displayed it at Menlo Park. Thomas Edison 
bought the patent from the two people in Toronto. Their names are escaping me right now, but look it up. They had a shop. They worked for some brasserie on Adelaide, I believe. So these two people, like, you know, they had a functioning light bulb. They actually had something the world needed and wanted, but it was going to be very expensive to go further. And they couldn't get sponsors. They couldn't get someone to pay for it. And so they said, okay. And Thomas Edison said, hey, I'll take that patent off your hands. And he paid them for it. And he went on to be Thomas Edison. Right. Well, what about these two people in Toronto that you've never heard of, that people have never heard of? So when you say who invented the light bulb, everyone says Thomas Edison. Well, no, he took everybody else's ideas, in fact, with a lot of his inventions, and put his name on them. Yeah. So these two guys in Toronto could have been world famous and could have been a household name. And I, personally, I know the story, and I can't remember their names right now. Yes, and you want to. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to say, listen, just go forward. And you know what? The funny thing is when you do that, the universe kind of takes care of you, and you don't even know it. No. No, I remember I was in a real low the day that I ended up meeting you. And 7 a.m., someone called and said, oh, we need an interviewer last second for the disability channel. And so that's how I ended up there. I wasn't even planning on jumping. And Uh I think, which is also like, I didn't know at 7 a.m. I would jump, right? I was there in a dress and a big beehive hairdo. I had to, some stranger, some Australian, I stole his shorts. (laughs) (laughs) do you have some shorts in that backpack right he didn't even know them (laughs) and jumped right you just make it happen what I felt like the universe lined me up with your positivity it was very fun bumping into you at the start of all of that was you know positivity and putting your faith in fate you know you can call it whatever you want if you want to call it in you know if you're a religious person if you're not religious but putting your faith in fate is something that will definitely, definitely help you and carry you through. And believing it's the hard thing though, right? Believing that is the hard thing. We always think of the worst case scenario. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through with this. Yes. And I'm going to go through with it. And then exactly that. I am going to go through with it. So believing that you can, and then the taking action, like then doing whatever it took. like. Easter Seals very much wanted me to jump that day, but yeah. they couldn't imagine, you know, no hands, no legs, no registration. You know, there's all these folks that are jumping. And so it took me to just keep having a conversation till I could figure out what it was that they were looking for. Right? And I said, oh, imagine a past mm-hmm. Easter Seals child with no arms and no legs. This is going to be a big media draw. You got to let me jump today. And then they didn't say yes, but they did say, well, will you talk to our drop zone guy? And of course, the drop zone guy didn't care at all about (laughs) the media. Yeah. He was worried about safety. So now he was a no again. And so it's true, putting your fate in fate, but then it was convincing registration, convincing the drop zone guy at each of those steps of the way. Yeah, most definitely. And that's where you're at. You are this person that, created the number one television breakfast show. I didn't create it. I helped it become that. I mean, there was a lot of people and a lot of work that that went into that for sure. Yes. Yeah. And I love that you acknowledge that. Like we earn independence, not alone. You get to be the one in the front, but. I'm going to ask you a question. When it comes to depression, 
what do you think the opposite of depression is? What's the opposite of depression? The first word came enthusiasm. And then I doubted myself because you're a very enthusiastic individual and I'm an enthusiastic individual. But that was the first word. Enthusiasm is definitely a part of this because depression, a lot of people think depression is just simply you're sad. No, it's not. It goes much, much deeper than that. It's not just sadness. So depression is, you know, anxiety and stress. So stress is something that you're worrying about that happened yesterday. Anxiety is something you're worried about. It's probably going to, it might happen tomorrow. Okay. And most cases that I found when someone has anxiety and they're worried about tomorrow, in most cases, the worst case scenario never happens. Yeah. We're always thinking the plane's going to crash, right? Yep. I don't like flying because I think the plane's going to crash. How often do planes crash? Like, it just doesn't happen. But we always think it's going to. Yep. You know, at one point, I don't know what it's like today, but at one point, every minute, thousands of flights were in the air. Thousands. And yep. they all were okay. But we have anxiety about that. So the opposite of depression is hope. If oh. you're living with depression, and that's why enthusiasm is so important. You're right. Mm. If you're living with depression, you're kind of ignoring hope. The plane's going to crash rather than, oh, I'm going to get there. I'm more irritated now with, you know, I used to be afraid of flying. I'm just more irritated now with waiting and the checks and waiting on the runway. And that's so it's more irritating. Then that's fine. But I was literally afraid. And now all I could think of, this plane is going to crash. That's all I could think of. But if, when I have hope of saying, you know, I know for sure this plane is going to make it the, the other side. I hope it will. That's yeah. what I'm going to put my, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. So Depression, we need to give people a reason to hope, to have enthusiasm, to be challenged and accept that as a challenge. And yep, remember from uh, How I Met Your Mother when he would say, challenge accepted. Yes. That's what we need to do. Yes. We need to say, challenge accepted. Yes. And move on with it that way. This isn't a sickness. This yeah. is a challenge right now. Yes. So Tracy learned to tie her shoes because... And you'll hear the story. I hope you go and look it up because she was challenged to. Mm -hmm. You were challenged to. And it was assumed you couldn't, but it was all right. Then I'm just going to do it. And you know what? Who better to accept a challenge than a kid? You were yeah. what, four or five? Yep. Don't ever tell a kid you can't do something. No. Don't ever do a kid you can't do something. So we should be the same way with that enthusiasm you talked about, right? Yes. Is here's the challenge. I accept it. And so that's what I did a couple of weeks ago. I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'll be okay. Yes, you will be okay. And you are okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about that challenge. Accepted. Yeah, the, plane the plane will get, will get there. there. Yes. I worked at Air Canada yeah. and was a big part of how do we increase that hope and that confidence and travel for folks. And it's ridiculously low percentages of what the likelihood's way more with being hit in Toronto with a coconut and we don't have any palm trees, right? That's the statistic. That's yeah. how unlikely yeah. it is. You're more likely to be <laughs> hit in the head what? with a coconut in Toronto. <laughs> You've probably used this before. I'm sure have worked for Air Canada and trying to ease people's anxieties is the one thing that I was always told by people, look at the flight attendants. Yeah. You know, look at the flight attendants. They're sitting over there talking about, oh, where do you want to eat this afternoon when we land? Yep. And, Manicures. you know, I have a haircut tomorrow. And 
anything like that. So it's like, well, they're not worried and they fly in this every day. So, you know, and I always told my kids when we were growing up and there was a thunderstorm coming, I would always tell them when I panic, you panic. But other than that, there's just a thunderstorm, just some lightning. And that's why it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then it becomes something that you're excited about. Yeah. It's so fun. And so this pandemic for folks that are working, for folks that aren't working, like it is totally getting people's anxieties up. What if we're, the world is never going to be the same? And what if I never find a job? Or what if we never go out the door without a mask again? Or there's all these anxieties. And even more heartfelt is these broken relationships, whether it's broken relationship at work or broken relationships with people in the home because it's 24-7 with each other going through. So what do you suggest with your hope lesson in terms of going forward at work and job hunting? The very first thing, and you know, it is like this with anything that can be a challenge in life. Let's talk about what's the very first thing that an alcoholic has to do to get better. What's the first thing? Confess, admit, awareness. Like admit I am. You have a problem. And you can call it, I have a challenge. Instead of saying a problem, replace it with challenge. It yeah. may seem like, oh, that's just politically correct. No, no, no. Try it. So the very first thing you do is admit. You know, you could look at any 12-step program. Use that on yourself and change everything to be for your mental health. So first thing you have to do is admit you have a problem. And by admitting you have a problem, you can identify the problem. You know, you might be able to say, what are my triggers? Why am I feeling this way? I have no reason to feel this way. Okay, I need to work on that. Am I pessimistic all the time? Am I worried the plane's going to crash? So you have to change your outlook. You identify the problem, you admit you have the problem, and then you change your outlook. You can make your choice how you're going to deal with anxiety. Is the plane going to crash even though we know it's not? Yeah. Or are we just going to get on board? And when I was first trying to get over my fear of flying, it wasn't like one day a switch flip. No. You had to take it bit by bit. So the very first flight was still kind of anxiety-induced, but a little bit better. Then it got a little bit better. And the next flight got a little bit better. And don't expect by admitting a problem and by making some changes that it's all going to end overnight. And I hope it doesn't end overnight because that means you haven't done the work. Yeah. I heard this great donkey parable that has been, I don't know. I think the story itself is a thousand years old or Uh. it's been been told in different ways. So many different times. There was a farmer who went looking for a horse that had gone missing and he looks like the horse had wandered off and fallen into an old well. The farmer not the most intelligent, tried ropes, tried everything. The horse was too heavy. There was no way he could lift that horse up. There was no way. You know, there's just no way. At the time the story was written, there was no equipment available, things like that. So he felt bad for the horse. And so he thought, well, I'll just bury it right there where it is. I know it may seem tough, but it's better for the horse if if he doesn't starve to death. So he got some shovel and he got his sons and they started filling in the hole, just filling it in and putting, dumping dirt on top of the horse. And so what would happen if you dump dirt on top of a horse? They would shake it off. off. All right. So they shake. And so every time they would shovel dirt in, this stupid horse would shake it off. 
<laughs> they were getting angry. It's like, this dumb, just bury it yourself already. <laughs> but he kept shaking it off. Every time he'd shake out the dirt, he would stand on top of the dirt that he shook off. Yeah. And so they just kept going faster and more and more. Neighbors came to help. We've got to get this horse. So what happens? Eventually, after dumping all this dirt, instead of the horse just standing there and allowing the dirt to bury him, he shook it off and stood on top of it. So eventually just walked out of the hole. You're in a hole. And so you can choose whether or not to let that dirt bury you. Or you can say to yourself, I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to step on top of it. I'm not out of the hole yet. No. But I'm stepping on top of it. Stepping on top. Ah, good. I can now get out. If you do this, you will get out of the serious anxiety and mental health issues you may have. Yes. You can. It is possible. It is possible. Challenge accepted, as you Challenge said. Challenge accepted. Be oh unstoppable. God. Be unstoppable. Oh my gosh. It, people often say, like, weren't you scared when jumping off that building, for example, the day we were together? I spent all this time, two hours, convincing people to let me jump. And then when I got to the top, <laughs> I was almost too scared to go over the edge, yeah. right? But thank yeah. goodness it took me two hours to convince everybody because there was no back and out then. I was like, okay, challenge accepted. But it's not without the fear. It's in spite of it, right? Repelling down a building is a great analogy or metaphor or whatever you wish for dealing with a mental health issue. <gasps> I've done some repelling and before, and I know the toughest part, the absolute toughest part of repelling is going over the edge. Once you're over the edge, it's literally easy. Yep. It is so easy to repel down a building. Why is it easy? It's easy because you're attached by safety ropes. Yeah. There is a crew holding the ropes on either end. Those ropes could carry two or three elephants. <laughs> and they're going to ease you down. There's breaking mechanisms on the ropes, yep. things like that. And so what you do is you have to go over the side of the building first. And that can be the toughest thing. Yes. So admitting you have a problem and dealing with it head on. But once you're there, then you need to rest in the comfort that someone's there that's got your back, it's going to yep. help you, and you're going to make it safely to the bottom. And can I ask you, when you got to the bottom, did you so want to do it again? Yes. I completely wanted to do it again. And there was a big yeah. lineup. And they said, oh, Tracy, you got to do it again. But I was so keen to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I totally was. Yeah. Most definitely. And it was exactly that. It definitely was the hardest hurdle getting over the edge. And then it was smooth sailing from there. You know, our mind is saying to us, no, it's stupid to go over the edge of a building. Yeah. <laughs> you spend life being afraid of getting too close to the edge of buildings. And your mind is saying, no, you can't go over the edge. And our mind is telling us when we have some mental health issues, our mind is saying to us, no, 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 you've got to panic. You've got to worry. This is what you have learned your entire life is how to panic, how to worry. no go over the edge. As yeah. long as you go over the edge and you know you have the safety around you. It's yep. a horrible analogy if you're talking about someone who is going to choose to die by suicide and going over the side of the building. I don't want to desensitize anyone to that mm -hmm. or diminish the seriousness of that. However, yeah. do it with the lifelines. Do it with the lifelines. So reach out for help first. Get tied up. Get someone to hold you. Learn what is right. And there are so many things available right now. If you have any mental health issues, the province has recently started funding several great mental health programs. All you have to do is Google Perfect. mental health care. 
mental health care. You can get a $5,000 program for free right now in Ontario. Take advantage of it now. Yep. Yep. Oh, Kevin, there's never enough time on the planet to be with you. We just start to get warmed <laughs> up. We'll talk again then. And then, we, yes, we've got to talk again. <laughs> And possibly we'll talk again on your happy molecule. Tell us about that. Yes, on the happy molecule. So that starts, the first episode will be out November 15th, around the week of November 15th. I can't remember exactly when. But if you go to my Twitter account, I will let you know when it happens. I'll let you know as well. Yes. And so it is a show about positivity. It is a show about community. It is a show about helping yourself. It is a show about that there is hope. I mean, if you can at least get some hope from the show, every show will have a segment. So I'm going to be talking to experts from around the world. Every show has a segment called the Me Three. And those are three simple things that anyone can do right here, right now to work on your mental health. So for instance, I spoke with one holistic nutritionist. Yes. And I said, okay, what are your Me Three? And you would think, oh, you know what? Cut the fats or get off sugar, things like that. Yeah. Not that those aren't important to do, but they can be difficult to do. But, and I've already given instructions to my guests. These need to be simple because we need to start with simple steps. Yeah. So her number one was drink more water. And that's something you can do right now. You can drink more water right now. It's very easy. Yep. For the most part, it's free. Yeah. So you can do that right now. Why do you want to do that? You want to do it because your brain is 75% water. (laughs) There's a good chance if you have a lot of headaches and you don't know where they come from, one of the reasons is probably because you're not drinking enough water. Yeah. Drink more water and watch the headaches disappear. They will disappear. So if you want to improve your mental health, first thing we got to do is feed your brain. So drink more water. Her second one, okay, all right, we're giving up sugar. No, her second one was get outside once a day. Mm. Get outside once a day. If you can, get to a forest, get to a park, get to somewhere in nature. So- Those are simple things you can do. And that's what I really want to concentrate on is let's tie you up right now so that prepare you for going over the side. Yes. With your water, with your once a day walk in a park, with some greenery somehow, somewhere. So positivity is important, but the number one, the absolute number one message I hope to convey is you are not alone. Yes. Yes. And in a community of people who live with depression, anxiety, who have contemplated death by suicide, they feel alone. I can't talk to someone. No one will understand. There's nowhere to turn. Yeah, there's always somewhere to turn and there's always someone to help you. You may be alone personally in your apartment, your house, whatever, but you are not alone. Yeah. I want you to reach out. I want people to reach out. So you are not alone and hope. Yes. And if we just those two things would be incredible if we could bring that to people. Well, I know nobody listening today feels alone anymore. Thanks to you joining me today on Unstuck <laughs> Story. And I know that my yeah. cup is filled with hope. And as are our listeners around the world, Ontario, and then some filled with hope and knowing that they are not alone and that there's going to be more of Kevin and Unstoppable Tracy together with the happy molecule. So they've got to watch the Twitter feeds for Unstoppable Tracy and Kevin Frankish and visit your website, Kevin Frankish. At Kevin Frankish on Twitter is the best way to keep in touch with what I'm doing. Okay. I did explain what the happy molecule is. Did I not or didn't I? I feel like that deserves some time. 
Just a quick explanation. <laughs> gotta, it's like the golden nugget. There are certain chemicals in our body that are responsible for our mood and our emotion. So like cortisol and oh, serotonin. Serotonin. Dopamine, though, is the end result of being, it will make you happy. It's to make you happy. So a lot of people who have mental health issues are deficient in dopamine or serotonin. That's not the only reason for mental health problems, but it's a big reason. Yeah. So the idea of the happy molecule is I just want to give you a bit of, you know, some weapons to put into your arsenal to be happy, to be happier. Bit by bit, shake off the dirt from your back and step over it. Oh, that's beautiful. I just love the happy molecule. I think I said before the show started to Kevin that it just oozes Kevin, right? He is like this little <laughs> molecule of facts and knowledge and you know, over 40 years experience of being a pioneer, recreating <laughs> and doing incredible TV industry breakthroughs and the, you know, massive award winner for all of the organizations wow, he supports, crazy. including Easter <laughs> Seals, but that this, yeah. the happy dopamine is how you do it. Giving people hope, letting them yeah. know they're not alone. And so there is YouTube channels. There's so many pieces, but the best place Kevin says is go to at Kevin Frankish, which is his Twitter handle. And then that's how we can make sure we get the pulse of all of your updates and uh, cool tools to fill our hope bucket. Thanks to you. (laughs) Thank you, Tracy. Oh, and thank you for joining us on Unstop the Story, filling up our listeners with some hope. And I'm going to say goodbye for now, folks. And we'll be hearing from Kevin and I very soon. Take care, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show? I'd love if you could share it with someone you think will find it valuable or inspiring. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to see a live and unedited version of this full interview, you can. Subscribe for all access at unstoppabletracy.com slash interviews, and you'll gain instant access to the whole catalog for free.